Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. The volume. The Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. No better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. Basketball, football, they have awesome new and existing user promotions. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You can get your winnings back in two hours. My favorite, the same game parlays. You can bet five or ten bucks in one 150 bucks or more. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Get started now. Sign up promo code Colin so they know we and I sent you. The Colin Coward Podcast presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Hi, everybody, and welcome in to our Tuesday morning podcast, talking some Dallas Cowboys and more with Matt Mosley, longtime reporter, opinionist in Dallas, my guy, part of the volume. A couple of thoughts, though. Oftentimes, we think something is wonderful. We demand something. We want something. And then there's an unintended consequence of that thing. A great example, people just complain about cable. Your cable bill was too expensive. I want streaming. Streaming is great. Netflix is great. Streaming, well, Netflix, yes, it was very successful and is. And because of that, many big corporations like Amazon and Disney have also gotten into streaming. Now, there's like 15 to 20 streaming services, all charging me $9.99 or more per month. Now, it costs more than my cable. And it's hard to keep track of all the passwords and codes. How many times have you thought, oh, I heard there's a great, there's a great show. Oh, I forgot what streaming service it's on. I tried to watch something the other day on the actor Army Hammer. 
It was on Discovery Plus. It took me 10 minutes to sign up for Discovery Plus. Cable, I contend, and I've always said this, if you like college basketball and college football, you have to have cable. And it's one of the great values in America. I pay $120 a month and I get unbelievable college athletics. 365 days a year, I'm keeping my cable. And I think about that because the transfer portal in college football is really viewed as a gigantic win for everybody, right? The, the player has mobility. Uh, your team can solve a problem very quickly. Here's the unintended consequence of it. It's important that Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley and Mario Cristobal don't win 11 or 12 games this year. Because there's like 10 to 12 great brands in college football, maybe maybe 10. USC is one of those, right? You know, your Alabamas, Texas, Michigan, Ohio State, Notre Dame. If it becomes so easy to take one of those top 10 brands and win immediately with no struggle, then why would you stay at a really good job like Michigan State, a really good job like Wisconsin? you know, Virginia Tech, Oregon. Why stay at those jobs? If the transfer portal is some magic elixir to immediately at a big brand, Bama, USC, Oklahoma, solve all your issues. You want it to be hard for even a great coach to go to a big brand. You want him to struggle because in the back of his mind, if he's got a good job or a very good job, you don't want him thinking, God, just get me to an Alabama. Just get me to an Oklahoma. Just get me to a USC or a Notre Dame or a Miami. I mean, Nick Saban, seven and six first year. Pete Carroll, USC, six and six first year. Kirby Smart, eight and five. It took Dabble with Sweeney at Clemson four years. Yeah, it's important that it's hard, even at LSU, even at USC, even at Miami, even at Texas, even at Notre Dame, even at Michigan. You want it to be kind of hard, even if you're Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. You don't want him winning 12 games the first year. So the unintended consequence of the transfer portal is that it may make it really easy. I mean, did you notice this weekend the SEC went 14-1? and Why? Because in the transfer portal, those are the richest college football programs. Those that had little tiny issues paid for them and solved them in the offseason. You want an SEC program if they fire a coach and bring in a new one. You want it to be a two-year battle to get back to the top. So the transfer portal is wonderful, but I think there has to be some parameters. And I hope, I hope we don't have coaches transferring to the level of players. I I want Brian Kelly to stay at LSU for seven, eight years, but I want him to battle it for a year or two. Now, Lincoln Riley's different. He needs to win a national championship in four months. That I that would appease me. There are exceptions to every rule in life. Speaking of Lincoln Riley, listen, I understand fan is short for fanatic. Like, I get it. But there are times in life you, you just got to admit that you're hurt. And when Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma, it's okay to admit it hurt because nobody had ever left Oklahoma before. Unless it was Barry Switzer to the Cowboys, right? Like, like USC is in California. They have over a hundred Division I high school football players a year. The state of Oklahoma's got eight. 
USC, big picture, it's a better brand. It's a bigger brand. Okay. LA, entertainment capital of the world, moving into NIL and entertainment, it's just a better fit. You're going to get better players over time. But Lincoln Riley coached four years at Oklahoma. He won 11 games minimum each year. In two of Bob Stoops' final eight years, he lost five games. Stoops is a defensive guy. Lincoln Riley's an offensive guy. Lincoln Riley today is a better coach than Bob Stoops was in his last five years at Oklahoma. It doesn't mean Bob wasn't a legend. But the game has changed. It's why McVay today is better equipped for the NFL than Bill Belichick. I know it sounds weird, right? I'm not taking anything away from Bill Belichick. But culture, offense, quarterback play is the future of the league. It's not grumpy 70-year-old defensive coaches letting Matt Patricia call plays. I'm not taking away anybody's resume. Bob Stoops is a Hall of Famer. But this morning in college football, Lincoln Riley is a top three coach. It's not about beating Rice. It's the fact that he took over a 4-8 program and they scored almost 70 points in 27 minutes of having the football. Now, they're going to lose games this year. You can only fix so many problems in eight months from an awful 4-8 football team. They have solved the offense. They have not solved the front seven defensively. It's not very good. They have one NFL player in their front seven. They can't beat the big boys. They will struggle with Utah, Notre Dame, UCLA, Oregon State, and maybe Stanford and Fresno State. I think they're a 9-3 and three team. But if you're still living in the past, and I get it, some people are not progressive thinkers, you just got to come to terms today. Sean McVay, if I could choose a coach today to run my football program, I, too, I choose McVay over Belichick. I choose Kyle Shanahan over Belichick for the next five years. And I would choose Lincoln Riley over Everybody, I would. I, and by the way, if Nick Saban took over USC and Lincoln Riley took over USC, like he just did, who would turn it around faster in 2022? I believe the answer is Lincoln Riley. Speaking of dummies, listen, I don't talk a lot of politics. I really don't. I mean, I think Donald Trump's a grifter. But um, this weekend was the hottest day in the history of San Diego in September. It's like 105 degrees in Los Angeles. There's basically been no hurricanes this hurricane season. At this point, folks, if you can't admit there's some climate change, you're in the Lincoln-Riley can't coach bracket. It's pretty obvious what's happening. Now, I'm not blaming any individuals. I'm not blaming regions. But good hell. You got to open your eyes to this stuff. And listen, it's a big world. We're a small part of it. We can't dictate terms for China, Turkey, parts of Europe, Russia. But if you don't see what's happening, good hell, you're not paying attention. We currently are in the middle of the hottest September heat wave in the history of California. <laughs> Hurricane season, we've had none. Something's going on, right? It's sort of like if you had a neighbor and you haven't seen the affair, but you're hearing from the next door neighbor's wife moaning and groaning while the husband is gone. Something's going on. It's not good for the husband. I haven't seen it, but I've got some evidence. There's some hanky-panky going on. Something has changed. It's 830. I hear laughing, moaning. Something's going on over there. 
and he's out of town on a business trip. I'm just saying. Football's right around the corner. You can get in on the action now on the FanDuel Sportsbook with their NFL Super Win Bonus. Right now, anybody who places at least a $50 Super Bowl winning bet gets $5 back for each win your team has during the regular season. Pretty cool. So what NFL Super Bowl bet would you make? Can the Rams repeat at plus 1100? Maybe you think it's Josh Allen and the Bills at plus 600. There are a ton of other future markets available like team win totals, division winners, player props, so many more. No better place to get ready for the football season than on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, official sports betting partner of the NFL. So if you haven't tried FanDuel Sportsbook yet, download the app, sign up, promo code Colin. Again, get $5 for every win your team has if you bet at least 50 on them to win the Super Bowl. The promo code again, Colin, C-O-L-I-N. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, and Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-HOP P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369 in New York, Tennessee. Redline 1-800-889-9789 Tennessee. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small business rates LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? 40 million. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Colin. linkedin.com slash Colin. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it 
and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's my friend. He's Matt Mosley, part of the highly successful Doomsday podcast with Ed Werder. They talk a lot of Dallas Cowboys. That's what they do. And we haven't had Mosley on for uh, a while. And his uh, relevance and wit uh, are highly in demand. And we feel very lucky today that we have him. So, first of all, I hear I see this Jason Peters move today, the left tackle, who was uh, moved about as well as a coffee table with the Bears. And I thought, holy God, this is awful. What do you make of that signing? How is it playing in Dallas? You know, it is a desperate times signing, and it's, it's playing as here is a former Arkansas player who Jerry Jones is going to feel comfortable with. And, but, He's 40 years old. I believe we looked up his birthday. He'll be 41. And while in some, you know, uh, things in life, that's a nice young age, certainly not to play left tackle. And so I don't, I, I think it's brought even more attention to already sort of a, a bad situation. And so I kind of love how they're playing it. In the last 24 hours uh, since he's gotten here, as of today, it's being played as almost like he's a tutor. You know, we brought in this unbelievable mentor for Tyler Smith, and it'll just be like another coach, and he'll be in Tyler Smith's ear. When the reality of this is he's here because there is a decent chance this could be a disastrous situation for the Cowboys. And it's that's not even a knock on this player, Tyler Smith, but they wanted him nowhere near left tackle. And that is where he's going to start his NFL career. Wow. You know, um, I've made this comparison on the air. I don't know if I did it last time with you. I think the Cowboys are turning into the Raiders when Al Davis got old. 
So Al Davis and Jerry Jones are very similar. They're mavericks, contrarian, street fighters, visionaries. And then you start getting into your 70s and you start believing your press and you're not quite cognitively as, as quick. And I think Jerry's had multiple missteps in the last several years, things he said he's had to backtrack on. And I thought at the end of Al Davis's reign, he really romanticized. He really lived in the rearview mirror. And I feel very much that way with the way Jerry Jones handles Zeke as if it's a running back league, as if you want your running back to be the biggest cap hit. And I, and I look at Dallas right now and they're, they're, I think they're dangerously close to becoming the last 10 years of Al Davis's Raiders. I think what saves them is the division so damn awful. But I thought Philadelphia, Matt, had a really, really good offseason. Size up the Eagles offseason and the Cowboys and where they stand today, in your opinion. Well, I think you saw, Colin, the Eagles, you know, needed a safety slash corner. And and really, they needed safety help. And they went and made a trade. And it's I think it irritates Cowboys fans that Howie Roseman who I've gotten to know pretty well over the years, is now being sort of celebrated. This is the guy that's gotten ahead of things. And he's got he's doing these trades, and he's solidified the team. And I don't know if this is accurate or even fair, but just based on some of the offseason and then even the buildup to this season, people are now picking the Eagles over the Cowboys. And Jerry has no one else to blame but himself. And you brought up the Zeke thing. Zeke jumped in front of Dak, and then Dak became a man. No, most people, when they have a, a career-altering type injury, don't like have a bunch of leverage. You would think the Cowboys might be in the best position, but because of how they handled it and they kept, kept kicking it down the, the road, um, they ended up having to pay him enormous money. And so... It, they've just mismanaged this thing so much to where and, and what you're saying about Jerry, I think there's some truth to it, although he's still extremely quick. So cognitively, I think he's fine. I think sometimes he's just a bad, you know, he just does a bad job at some of this. And he he still thinks he can snap into where they were 26, 27 years ago. And as we get farther and farther away from that, it just seems so distant. What the Cowboys are good at doing and boy, you can you you've seen this. They're still good at landing sometimes like unbelievable star players. This is a place for stars. And like Micah Parsons, they have some individuals, C D Lamb, that that kind of blow people away. But over time, think about the depth at wide receiver. The depth on the O-line. And nobody has just tremendous depth across the board. But the Cowboys went from three years ago to people making the statement. This might be the best line in the NFL to just being pretty awful. Like they're not solid at left guard. They're not solid at center. They're very solid at right guard. They're iffy at right tackle. And now they're really iffy at left tackle because they wanted to start Tyler Smith. His first year at left tackle was supposed to be like the 2024 season. That would have been perfect. Tyron Smith, get him through two more seasons. And welcome this guy in to, to play left tackle in 2024, 2022 season. He is your starting left tackle. So Jerry wants to talk him into being great. And so that's where Jerry and Al may have some similarities. And, and to your point, 
Jerry worshipped Al. Like, not only were they kind of similar in some ways in Mavericks, but where do you think Jerry, I mean, a lot of that stuff Jerry did, he got from Al. And Al saw this guy in Jerry, like, ooh, that reminds me of myself. And he took him under his wing. So, I mean, your your comparison there is 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 right on. Well, listen, the Cowboys can flip the script. They open up with Tampa, and then it's the Bengals. Now, those are really high-powered offenses. Um, I don't know what the Cowboys' offense is. It's a bad O-line. We know that Dak isn't Brady or Burrow. No Cedric Wilson and Amari Cooper. Tell me what I should expect from the offense. Last year, they scored a lot of points. I think the Giants will be better. Philadelphia is absolutely better. No idea what Washington is. But tell me what you think the offense will look like. Well, what did what they need it to look like? I don't know if it'll look like it. They need to establish the run, and they want to build around that early in the season. So a lot of this, Colin, is going to go back to what they were trying to do and what they did very successfully in 2016. Unfortunately, this is not 2016 version of Zeke. Now, I'll tell you who's fast and really could be a matchup problem for teams is Tony Pollard, if they're able to turn to him. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I even saw a quote today that made me realize sort of the desperation that they have going into the season. Cavante Turpin, who's emerged as a huge weapon, he had he had a punt return in a, in a, for a touchdown and a kickoff yeah. return in the preseason. And then they said, okay, you don't have to play the last game. You're going to be our return guy. Just in the past few days, they have they love these little talking points. Hey, hey, Jerry will kind of pass them down. Guys, this is all going to be our new talking point. And the new talking point is that Cavante Turpin is one is going to be one of the top receivers. Like he's literally, and I don't know if that's going to be means he's a third receiver, fourth receiver. But if you think about how 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 little they have as far as dynamic players in the passing game, C.D. Lamb, their their number two receiver is going to be Jalen Tolbert, a second round pick, and they have had to treat Noah Brown like he's some kind of star. They haven't played him in the preseason. I mean, do you even? I mean, you probably do know Noah Brown, knowing you. He yeah. barely has any catches in the pros, and, and and they've had to keep him off the field to save Noah Brown for the season. So now it's to the point where they need Cavante Turpin, a, a return specialist who was the MVP of the USFL. They really need him to be dynamic enough to almost be looked at as a second, the second option in the passing game. So best case scenario, they 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 run a Zeke Pollard one-two punch at you. That Again, this is not McCarthy's DNA to be a running team. That's what they're going to try yeah. to do is lean hard on the defense um, early and run the ball. And this head coach well, that, doesn't really do that. No, that's not. McCarthy and Green Bay, they got a running game. The Super Bowl year, they picked up a running game. I think Amon Green was the running back. They got ahead of steam late in the year, but they didn't have much of a running game. It was one of the knocks and one of the strengths of Matt LaFleur when they brought him into Green Bay. He will take some of the pressure off Aaron Rodgers. He'll develop a running game, which, frankly, he has with Aaron Jones. It's the one thing Matt LaFleur has done. There's a lot of arguments that he hasn't really done much. The division's just gotten weaker. He still get flames out very quickly in the playoffs. The last two years, Green Bay has flamed out at home as a favorite in the playoffs uh, in the fourth quarter. 
but he has developed a better running game than Mike McCarthy did. And I think people forget that is that, that Mike was not known. You know, it, it's really interesting. So and this is one of my knocks on McCarthy. What is he? Um, in Green Bay, he had Favre and Rodgers. So some of that success is just bad division, good quarterbacks. But he didn't develop great running backs. Now, now Shanahan had. Most of your good offensive coaches have. Uh, Shanahan did. Mike Shanahan did. Mike Holmgren did. Uh, Sean McVay does. Kyle Shanahan does. Uh, if I said to you, what's Mike McCarthy's strength? What is his strength? With most great coaches, there's an absolute line, a lead sentence in the column. What is his strength? It's just the passing game. And and that's that's what he knows. And his other strength is what you just mentioned. He inherited great quarterbacks. And he was able to ride that out. And and I would say I would say he has the makings of in the past a dynamic, you know, he can put together dynamic passing offenses. But what he's remembered for in Green Bay is how did you do not do more with all these weapons that you had? And you had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. How could you not do more? So I there's no I think they took a guy at the time that was not dynamic, that had won a Super Bowl, and he was just kind of there. And he was and again, it takes a very unique person to to do this with Jerry. You have to be willing to let Jerry be out front. So his most, you know, his most important aspect of who Mike McCarthy is, is that he doesn't really need the spotlight. Like, that's what works best here. Now, the guy waiting in the wings, Sean Payton, in a lot of people's minds, wants, all, wants it all. Wants to be out front, wants to make the moves, have enormous input, and... That would be a really, even as much as Jerry loves him and as, as close as they are, they both know each other too well. So as much as I like Sean and I've known him really well over the years, and I don't think Sean, people, that's where people get the story wrong. He doesn't yearn for this job and Jerry doesn't yearn for him. It's, but it, it's still, that's never going to get people to stop talking about it because they were together at one point and they have a really close friendship. I think the Tampa Bay game could get ugly. So the Cowboys O-line is struggling. One of the strengths of the Buccaneers is their defensive front and their pass rush. Uh, they will bracket C.D. Lamb, try to take him out of the game, and they'll put enormous pressure on Dak. You can't run on this Buccaneers team. We know that the last two years. You can't run on them. You have to throw the ball behind what we both acknowledge right now is a porous offensive line. Uh, let's just say it's not only a loss at home, but it's kind of a lopsided game. It, it's kind of it's 30, 20, and it never feels that close. What will be the reaction in Dallas? Because I think that's what it's going to look like. Yeah, I, I think that's what people s sadly are kind of expecting. And in fact, I think it could get a lot uglier than 30-20. Um, I, I do think it's going to be fascinating to see if they try a steady diet, uh, diet of running and go back to what they were. But you're right. Dak's going to have to make plays at some point. 
The only thing the Cowboys are kind of thinking about is they did have success against Tampa Bay in that game last season and threw for a lot of yardage and 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 looked okay. But this is a different wide receiver group. So I I think the people in Dallas, it's it's gonna they could turn on this team so quickly. And it's just not this this roster is not constructed to kind of like hold the fort. Like it could get ugly early. And as you said earlier, the only saving grace is this division. And the Eagles are better. I mean, if we could hand the Cowboys right. six wins, they might be able to find their way to ten wins and get to ten and ten and seven. But I don't think you can do that this year. So it's it could it could be ugly unless Think about last year's team. The, the The upside is Dak does look way more nimble. I I think he could be he's going to move a lot better. And I for whatever reason, and this may all be a bluff, but the confidence in whatever whatever he's saying right now, it's the the confidence level is higher than it's ever been with him. Like. There's something he said something the other day that kind of resonated. Hey, you guys had never seen me play in an NFL game in 2016. Look what we did, and because everybody was asking, what about Tyler Smith? You know, what about what? What are they going to do at wide receiver? What about these guys? So, from a leadership and then also physical standpoint, he it's it's night and day where he is physically right now, right. from where he was at the end of last season, and and same for Zeke, by the way. So. Here's what they could do is do what they used to do with Emmett early in the season. Just run him. Run, I mean, just to try to survive. 20, 25 carries a game that may not work, but they're I mean, I promise you they're thinking about that right now. Can we feed him early while he's healthy and and, and looking pretty spry? Cowboys over under, I think, is down to 10. I'm pounding the under. Where are you at on the final record? Mm, I mean, I just think you have to, you got to think about that extra game. And I would, ooh, I'd like to try to bet the over, but no, I'd probably go, I'd probably go under on that. I would, I would, what, what are the, uh, what are the Eagles? What's the last you heard on the uh, Eagles? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know what the Eagles, I think Philadelphia wins the division. I think they have better momentum. I, I just, I think Dallas has more questions than answers. O-line's a question. Um, receiving core's a question. Pass rush outside of Micah's a question. Trayvon Diggs had a really weird camp where he shut his viral stuff down because he was humiliated because he got burned so many times. Most of the good teams in this league, like Cincinnati, if I said, oh, big issues. Yeah, I worry about their, I worry about their corners a little. O-line's better. Receivers are better. Quarterback's good. Star running back. Good pass rush. Like, Dallas has like six questions. I have to watch and see. That says a nine, that's a non-playoff team to me. Yeah. I, I would just say the only thing to remember is Parsons is a monster. Diggs coming off like a, you know, record-setting interceptions. And maybe the future head coach of this team is the defensive coordinator. And he had an incredible year. So this could be one of those rare teams that at least early survives via defense. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I'm just wondering. I just think about Tampa 
And are they coming in? I mean, that's been a shaky camp in some ways. I mean, I focus yeah. so hard on the Cowboys that sometimes I, I step back and I start looking at these other teams and go, you know what? They haven't had all this great stuff ha- happening in camp. There are questions in other places, too. So the one thing they can't do, like, I, here's where I'll say McCarthy's better. And, and even the, uh, even, even the, uh, the offense coordinator, I, I think they'll protect this left tackle a lot more than like yeah. Garrett did. Yeah. yeah. Garrett, Garrett let like young guys just blow up. I mean, he really, I mean, he put horror, I mean, guys ended their careers got ended or were ended like Chaz Green in games against Atlanta where he gives up like seven sacks. They will do more. To not let that happen to Tyler Smith, but we've seen it. I mean, I've seen it happen to Giants tackles. I think Flowers had it happen to him a couple of years, you know, a few years ago. Uh, it happened to a Cowboys player. And they they have to do everything in the world to try to protect this kid. So I want to shift to something. Um, I want to shift to college football because we both love it. Um, one of the things that is important, I think, when I started the volume. The hardest thing is maintaining standards in my career and at the volume is it's easy to let things slide. But when when I have to bark is when I think things are sliding, that college football is on a seven year ratings and attendance decline. And yet all these college football fans are fighting for no change. I'm like, if you owned a business. And it was in a seven-year revenue decline and cultural decline. Would you think no change is necessary or would you pivot and make moves? So college football's got two problems. There's not enough good games. I think the college football playoff helps that. Why? Because you can lose two games and get into a 12-team playoff. As long as you don't start the season ranked 50th. But if you if you start the season ranked in the top 15, it's going to allow teams, an Oklahoma to say, or a Baylor to say, you know what, let's let's schedule an out-of-conference game against Wisconsin in Madison. We can lose that game. We can lose a conference game. We'll still get in. Baylor's at the point now where if they have two losses, they'll be ranked 11th or 12th. They would get in in their conference. So I think it helps that problem, that teams are t- paralyzed to schedule Bama, Texas, people are terrified. And when they do, it's such a reward for the consumer. The second thing is the end of the season is a series of awful bowl games that nobody goes to or watches and about five good ones. You're just going to get like March Madness. And we like college football way more than college basketball. And yet we watch these anonymous players in March because the tournament, the bracket, the betting, the television um, production. So I think the beginning of the season will be rewarded and the end of the season won't be about what conference you play in. It'll just be about 12 good teams. By the way, if 12 get in, that means 16 will have a chance to get in the last week of the season. So the last week to two are going to be crazy where everybody's fighting for those final spots. So my takeaway is it's a declining business. Let's pivot. Are you a traditionalist? Do you disagree? Because I get a lot of pushback on this, and I think it's obvious that you got to make a big move here. Well, just remember, I, I am a traditionalist in the sense that from a regional perspective, everybody in my part of the country 
that had their schools in the old SWC, the Southwestern Conference. I mean, we still yearn for all of that. Uh, I agree yeah. from a business standpoint that you do have to pivot. I mean, I think some of the silliness of how some of these West Coast teams, you know, it, it, it doesn't on some of these things don't work out. And then, of course, we start looking at other sports and how's that going to work out. But from a football perspective, um, I get it. And I've watched some of these other divisions, whether it be FCS or whatever you watch even on a smaller scale, what their fans do and how they react to all of that. So I, I do believe ultimately it's going to be better for everybody. I just, I, I just don't trust the problem with college football is nobody, the NCAA has kind of ruined so many things. And right now, nobody knows who's going to be in charge five years from now. Are they going to leave it right. all up to the conferences? And the problem, and, and this is where the traditionalist in me comes in, the S, there's no common good anymore. So the SEC and the Big Ten, and maybe those are the only conferences in some ways that you care about, and I get that. But they're so, at this point, looking out for themselves. Maybe, yes, there's a spot for the rest of us at the table through this playoff, but the, but they could blow it up. They could end up screwing this thing up so much and again, the SEC, when we start, we've gone from like the power five to where it, people barely even mention that anymore. It's like the big two. And, and then there's no oversight. So some of this stuff has, you got to shore some of this up or, or like the Pac 12 literally is going to disintegrate. And then people are like, well, that's going to help the big 12. No, it won't because at some point the SEC might like Baylor or might like Oklahoma State or somebody that's, Doing really well. Well, we'll take them. The Big Ten, same way. Right now, they're looking at the Pac-12. That's trying to stay alive. There's about there's a couple more teams we want. So, I get what you're saying, but I do think, the, you know, I there's there, the the whole regional thing of college football is like why the SEC became so huge and so great. And I don't know. I you can just tell I'm conflicted on this. You know. Well, one of the reasons it became so great in the SEC, because Georgia, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama provide so many great high school programs. Remember, professional sports, the South was the last to really get professional sports. So they have such a commitment and such a deep, embedded, visceral connection to college football is that high school football is still big in the South. I mean, if you take out Atlanta. It's not much of a pro sports region. I mean, seriously. So it's like college football matters more. That's their mantra. That's their slogan. And the high school football is better. It produces, you know, Georgia produces now as many. Think about this. Georgia, I, I think they have about 6 million people. California's got 39 million. They both produce about 120 Division I players. Because high school football matters more in Georgia. And so, like, I, I, I tip my cap to the South. They care about it. They promote it. They pay their coaches more. The boosters. I mean, if California gave a shit about college football, we have the fifth biggest economy in the world. Apple could come in and say, we'll pay $10 million for a quarterback. We'll just go get the six best high school players in the country, the best linemen. We don't care that much. We've got other things we're doing here. But in the South, a car dealer who makes three or four million a year He'll give $700,000 to his local football program at Auburn. So, like, I'm for people 
who deeply care about something. I want you to be rewarded. And Southerners deeply care about college football. It makes them feel a certain regional pride. So good for them. And I just think they're always going to be, um, barring some cheating scandal with multiple schools, they're always going to be at the top. That doesn't mean they always win a national championship. Because I do think USC can own California recruiting mostly and get like, we saw it with Pete Carroll. And we're seeing it with Lincoln Riley, who had the number one transfer portal. You can win fast at USC if you get the right coach. But I, I, I don't think there's an equivalent. The Midwest states, that footprint geographically just doesn't have as many great high school football players. Even those teams go down to Texas and Georgia and, and Louisiana and Florida. So all I know is this from a consumer. I just want more. If I go into a grocery store, I want the most good food possible. I love college football. I want more good games. That's what I want. And I think you're going to get it now with all USC moving and Oklahoma moving in a playoff. We're going to get more good games. Does that, is that resonate at all? Yeah, I, I think, I, th- I think that maybe the thought of not having, I mean, like I sat the other night and covered a Baylor U Albany game. And, and I had several times where I thought, what am I, what am I doing here? What, what, why have I chosen this profession that I'm sitting watching a, watching Baylor play, you know, this, I mean, nothing against Albany, but they should not have been in that game. And maybe teams will be incentivized to schedule harder games earlier. So I think there's a, I think there's something to be said for that. I, you know, what you don't want is a team almost like the NFL, you know, rest, you're, you're, you're having a scenario where everybody's trying to do it. Do you, can you get yourself to a certain spot where you could almost rest players at the end of the season because of, of the expanded playoff? I mean, one thing about only having four is you, you know, you don't, you can't do that. I mean, unless you're a team that goes into the SEC championship game, uh, and you can afford to have a loss there and turn around and you're going to be in the playoff. That's about the only scenario where you can have it. So, um, I, it's going to be, it's going to be so interesting to watch, but I don't, I don't trust any of these people because if you think about it, the, the 11, um, the, the presidents got together and now, you know, of course it's got to go to the commissioners and they could have done this like a year ago. And so they're constantly finding ways to, to screw all this up. So I don't know if we're out of the woods yet, although something new has to be in place. You know, by 2026, the biggest motivator is you're going to bring in so many more millions of dollars. Oh, Jesus. Oh, well, yeah, because the college football playoff, Fox will get some, NBC will get some, ESPN will get some. Like the NFL, you'll have multiple networks airing games. Right now, Fox, essentially Fox and ESPN have the biggest college football. That's it. They, they dominate college football. The NFL wins because they have five different networks, including the NFL network that has games. Now, Amazon's there, NBC, CBS, Fox, ESPN. You don't want one network owning it. In fact, I think the NBA makes a mistake that it's ESPN and TNT. I'd I'd get NBC, CBS, or Fox involved. So college football with a playoff, Fox is going to be in, ESPN's going to be in, and I guarantee NBC is going to be in. Three, and they're going to have major parts of that playoff it's and that, and that money's going to get spread all around. It's going to be good for the sport. Matt Mosley, good talking to you, buddy. Go get yourself a glass of vino. Enjoy your family. My wife just walked in. The room suddenly smells beautiful, and we'll talk. Oh, man. All right. We'll tell her, hey. 
Hey. <laughs> All right, buddy. volume make sure to check out the draymond green show i brought draymond green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports unique perspective understands behind the rope also chops up with guests like gary payton zach levine tracy mcgrady make sure download the draymond green show wherever you get your podcasts only on the volume podcast network it's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.